Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Teamsters back at it, organizing at Costco, an EV startup accused of violating federal labor law. And today on the show, the Communication Workers of America and the president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. Welcome to the Tuesday, January 9th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Frank Matthews will be our first guest on the show today. He serves as administrative director for District 4 of one of our national sponsors, the Communication Workers of America, CWA-Union.org. And Frank has three things he's going to touch on today. Number one, organizing. Workers at a Wells Fargo branch, this would be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, have voted to form a union, becoming the first ever Wells Fargo workers to unionize in an in-person election bankers and tellers chose to join the communication workers of America's Wells Fargo workers united and take the next step towards securing a meaningful voice on the job to improve conditions for them as well as their customers and this was not an easy thing to do since bankers and tellers filed for union elections, this would be last month, they have been actively pushing back against the company's anti-union attacks, which includes the bank sending out anti-union materials to workers all across the country and flying union-busting representatives to branches in a feeble attempt to intimidate workers. Meanwhile... At Wells Fargo call centers, the workers have been raising the alarm on the bank's illegal anti-union activity by filing unfair labor practice charges with the National Labor Relations Board. We'll cover all of this with Frank. We're also going to talk about uh, call center legislation and no tax breaks for outsourcing. This has been going on for quite some time. The tax code has for years encourage companies, encourage companies to move money and jobs overseas. The tax law creates massive new tax breaks for sending those jobs overseas. It allows companies to deduct half of their overseas income from their tax bill. Can you believe that? In effect, this means that the tax rate for profits from work that is outsourced will be only 10.5% compared to 21% for profits from American work. Can you believe that? So we'll touch on all of that and more with Frank Matthews. Our second guest on the show today is Tim Driscoll. Tim is general president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. Website is bacweb.org. Tim is a second-generation bricklayer. He joined Local 3 in Massachusetts back in 1985, and he was elected to the office of president in 2020. So he's got a little over three years there under his belt. We're going to talk about uh, the new year, expanding opportunities for workers in the bricklaying industry. We'll talk about safety on the job, enhanced Davis-Bacon protections. 
There was an order for a project labor agreements that President Biden ordered late last year, which promotes hiring in communities and respects local area standards. That's exactly what we want. We're also going to talk about uh, the National Labor Relations Board and the Semex decision. We briefly touched on this last week. This is uh, quite groundbreaking for organized labor because uh, it reverses a decision that was made about 50 years ago that allowed companies to pretty much ignore a union election. That's all changed. That's all changed. In fact, a lot of companies are preparing for that decision this year. And later this week, we're going to check in with the general counsel of the bricklayers. That would be Joyce Goldstein, who is very, very familiar with America's workforce. She was our uh, labor reporter for many, many uh, years now. In fact, she took a break and she's going to be coming back to talk about that Semex decision. That's going to be uh, this Friday on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management Workers at a Norfolk, Virginia Costco, voted 111 to 92 to unionize with the Teamsters. Now, the Teamsters currently represent 18,000 Costco workers across the country, but but they have not successfully organized a Costco location in close to two decades. The workers organized around several workplace improvement issues, including higher wages, safety, pension contributions, and a more flexible attendance policy. In a memo to Costco employees, the former and incoming CEOs wrote that the fact that a majority of Norfolk employees felt they wanted or needed a union constitutes a failure on our part. Now, Costco is widely viewed as worker-friendly, and the average pay for a worker at Costco is about double that of Walmart. Same kind of operation. It's a warehouse, and it's a consumer warehouse. It's a discount warehouse for consumers. Yet the workers there at Costco feel that post-pandemic successes have not translated into higher wages or better conditions. While we're talking about the Teamsters, Former President Donald Trump and the president, general president of the Teamsters, Sean O'Brien, met at Mar-a-Lago last week. The union has yet to endorse a 2024 presidential candidate and claims it's scheduling meetings with all the presidential candidates before announcing their endorsement. In the meantime, President Biden appears to be competing for These key union endorsements last month, he issued an executive order mandating the project labor agreements, which I just mentioned, and that's for all federal contracts over $35 million. And he also appointed a Teamsters senior rep to a high-profile advisory board at the Transportation Department. Meanwhile, the National Labor Relations Board has accused EV startup Lucid of violating federal law by threatening, transferring, and retaliating against employees. Two employees were fired early last year for supporting a UAW organizing effort at the company. Off the success of its stand-up strike, the UAW announced its plans to organize 13 non-union automakers. However, it is clear that those efforts have been going on for quite some time now. Now, many non-union automakers recently 
raised hourly wages at their plants in response to the union's recent contract wins. The fired Lucid employees may have to wait much longer for remedy. The hearing, get this, the hearing for their complaint is set for October 9th of this year, which is over a year and a half after their firings. That's so sad, but that just shows you how weak our uh, labor law is. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be A. WF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Before we join a Frank Matthews on behalf of the communication workers, got to give a shout out to the CWA, one of the many sponsors for this weekend's conference in Montgomery, Alabama. This is the 2024 AFL-CIO Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Civil and Human Rights Conference. The theme is our voice, our ballot, our future. And uh, it starts on Friday, wraps up on Sunday. And we had a really good conversation with Fred Redman on behalf of the uh, AFL-CIO. Fred's been involved with this conference for years, especially when he was uh, vice president of human affairs with the Steelworkers. He will be down there. Let's see, we've got the uh, AFSME organization, food and commercial workers, the bricklayers and allied craft workers, the painters. SMART, that's the Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, Transportation, and American Income Life. All of them sponsoring this weekend's Martin Luther King Jr. Civil and Human Rights Conference. You missed that uh, show with Fred. It's awfpodcast.com. Right now, let's go to line number one. Welcome a longtime sponsor, and that would be the CWA. On behalf of Frank Matthews, 
Communication Workers of America, cwa-union.org. Frank, uh, you wanted to say something about uh, that conference this weekend because you've got uh, you got some of your representatives there. Maybe you can uh, speak to that if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. We're going to have uh, several folks down there. Um, to your point, it's going to be a really, I think, a really powerful and really great conference. Um, uh, timely. Um, Vice President Hinton from District Four. Uh, she will be down there along with. Um, uh, I believe staff rep Diane Bailey, who handles uh, a lot of our human rights uh, stuff for, for District 4, um, and a couple other folks. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to having a great conference down there with our folks and with everybody, you know, um, and all those groups you mentioned. The theme that Fred told me, it's all about democracy. Democracy will be on the ballot this November, no doubt about that. Let's talk about organizing. Last year, as you well know, was a banner year for, for unions. A lot of strike activity, a lot of wages going up because of those strikes. And uh, one of the stories that I referenced at the beginning of the show is the Wells Fargo. This is out of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, where workers there were talking about uh, the bank tellers and some of the employees. I said they were, they've been taken advantage of at Wells Fargo. And the pay at banks is a, notoriously low. So they have become the first ever Wells Fargo workers to unionize. And they're unionizing with the CWA. In fact, they, they crafted a special, I guess this would be a, a subsidiary, if you want to call it that, Wells Fargo Workers United. Talk to me about this, Frank. That's pretty exciting. Oh, it's very exciting. You know, we uh, I can remember a decade ago um, being in discussions just about the just how especially around banking, the, the, the low pay, the understaffing, and, and overall general mismanagement uh, of, of, of banking and, 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 and the banking industry and, and how those folks were, were kind of being left behind. Well, not so much now. Uh, this Wells Fargo group out of Albuquerque, they're our first group. And um, you're right, they, they, they've got this group called Wells Fargo Workers United, um, there's also, they're also partnering with a group called committee for better banks. And they've got a really, really nice fake Facebook page. If folks want to reach out to that, to learn more, um, you know, and, and, and they voted to join, you know, CWA and the WFWU, uh, the Wells Fargo workers United, um, here recently. And despite a very, very aggressive anti-union campaign from Wells Fargo. Uh, these folks are basically taking the stand and drawing a line in the sand and saying that, that you know, we're not going to be oppressed any longer. And um, I think it's, it's just a great first step. And, and maybe they're the first out of the gate. And it's going to be a great year for, for the bank, banking workers in general. And Wells Fargo is not taking this lightly. I was reading earlier about the, the anti-union materials that they spread to workers, not just there, but around the country. And it's my understanding, too, they're organizing or trying to organize in Daytona Beach. So they, they figure, well, if it happens at one, it's going to happen at other branches around the country. So can you speak to that part? Oh, yeah, that's, that's their game plan. Um, it's amazing what some of these companies will do. If they, if they spend half the money that they spend on union busting for their employees, um, you know, I don't think a lot of employees would be as uh, – 
as understaffed, underpaid, and 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 feel as oppressed as they do. Um, you know, they're their own worst enemy, which is why you know we're pushing some bills now that, um, as crazy as it sounds, um, companies actually get a tax break for the money they spend on union busting, and these companies that they hire to come in and 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 prevent uh, workers from organizing. And, you know, we've talked for the last over a decade, Flash, about how, um, you know, this company was built on union labor and built on union workers and labor built the middle class. And um, it, it seems like, you know, some companies will spend a million dollars to uh, to prevent a union when, uh, you know, raises and, and hiring a few more workers and giving workers a voice at the at the ballot or at the uh, workplace would would be a a, a, a poor uh, you know a fraction of that so it's ultimately an anti-union you know frame of mind that comes right down from the chamber and from very anti-union groups out there that uh, think that CEOs and corporations should dictate to to workers, um, and, you know, we ought to say, thank you. Can we have another and, and back to the robber baron days. And, uh, and I think if anything, workers are to the point to where they're saying, you know, we're tired of since the mid seventies, corporate America and CEOs seeing, you know, profit increases of two, 300% and wage increases for CEOs of two and 300% when, when worker wages a flatline. So I'm really encouraged by this. Uh, this group really fought off a lot of this anti-worker stuff. And and to your point, to bring it all back in, yeah, they're afraid. Once It's almost, you know, once one group, much like we saw with the um, Starbucks, once one group goes, a lot of groups tend to, to feel emboldened and empowered and, and as they should, you know. Frank, I'm looking at your uh, press release. This is all posted on CWA-Union.org. When asked about the uh, workers' union elections, this was at the Senate Banking Committee, which happened, that would be last month. They asked uh, whether the bank would remain neutral in a union campaign. And it would be nice if, 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 right. <laughs> it would be nice if, if yep. a lot of companies would remain neutral, but obviously they're not doing that. Their CEO... Charlie Scharf gave an empty answer stating that the bank wants to communicate directly with workers. And in response, our very own Sherrod Brown, senator from the great state of Ohio, responded, it was an opportunity to show the American public truly a new day at Wells Fargo. And I'm sorry you failed to show that real change is afoot at your bank. How about that comment, Frank? Oh, uh, Sherrod's awesome. And, and, and as usual, spot on. Um, these CEOs want to give a bunch of lip service and don't have any trouble, you know, uh, making four or 500 times what their average employee makes. And then when, when workers request a living wage and I guess I'm, I'm like Sherrod, what does I want to, we want to, we want to negotiate or talk directly with the employee. Is that one-on-one? Cause I highly doubt that, any average employee has ever had a conversation with, with that CEO, you know. 
It, it's it's really sad too because Microsoft they and you and I talked about this last right. year. They paved they paved the way for neutrality. They're saying you know what because you know the CWA has been organizing, especially in the the gaming industry, and Microsoft right. has gobbled up a lot of those uh, those companies. And they said, you know what, we're not going to fight this. If they want a union, go for the union. Frank, yep. do you ever think how many how many members of uh, how many members the AFL CIO would gain if companies remain neutral? Do you ever think about that? It'd be incredible, and you know we're seeing such a, if you will, a energy now since COVID behind labor, and never before have unions been. I think it. We've spoke over you know over the last year. The last survey showed that over 70% of Ohioans or of citizens said that if they would have the opportunity to join a union, they could. There they would. Um, very high approval ratings of labor unions, and uh, quite frankly, it, it scares those folks that um, have been holding down workers, you know, for, for 40, 50 years. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Microsoft, I think they saw that, you know, a rising tide rises all ships, if you will, and and uh, they're doing very well as as we organize these groups. Uh, they're going to continue to do well, and uh, you know why? Why to my point of the earlier uh, in the in the here where I mentioned how much money these companies will spend to to kind of run an anti-union campaign when if they just partnered with their workers and got buy-in from their employees, um, which is all people want. People want respect at work. You want to have a voice. You don't want to have to work two to three jobs just to raise your family. You want a, a living wage job if the company's really doing well. You want a living wage job to where if you want to send your kids to school, you can. If you want to take a vacation once a year, you can. And it's not a lot to ask for. I guarantee you these corporate CEOs and, and these higher-ups in these corporations, are, are they aren't lacking for, for opportunities and for their kids, for their families, and, and they're doing very well. So, again, a rising tide raises all ships, and I think Microsoft, to your point, has uh, has really figured that out early on here. Frank Matthews, on behalf of the Communication Workers of America, again, national website, cwa-union.org. We'll continue with Frank later in the show. going to check in with the president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, 
and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. Let's go back to our live line, rejoin Frank Matthews. Frank is the Administrative Director for District 4 of the Communication Workers of America National website, cwa-union.org. A lot of good information posted there. District 4 encompasses Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. God, I hate to say that because the Wolverines did win the (laughs) national championship last night. (laughs) And Frank and I are true Buckeye fans. Frank, that was tough. That was tough. But anyway, we have to move on. We have to. There's always next year. Always next year. Uh, you want to you wanted to mention call centers. You got a couple of a uh, couple of states with uh, some bills that are on the agenda. What can you say about that? Yeah, we're right now in uh, in Michigan and in Indiana. We've got call center bills sitting on the floor, um, uh, hoping to get hearings uh, here uh, on them. Um, you know, it's it's all about the um, the moving these call center jobs overseas and preventing that. And I guess not so much preventing that on these bills, but what it's at the end of the day, that's the goal. But the the bottom line is, and the crux of this legislation is that if a company chooses to do that, they should not be eligible eligible for state uh, grants or or incentives whatsoever, low interest Mm -hmm. loans, grants, you know, you choose to do that. Um, you know, that's your, you do so at your own peril, but I don't think any American taxpayer out here wants their tax dollars going to support any company that would move those call center jobs, you know, overseas. And this has been going on a long time. I know there's some legislation that's been introduced, uh, stop tax breaks for outsourcing. I believe it was uh, introduced about a year ago. I don't know right. if it's going to be reintroduced here, but uh, this is in the last uh, tax law when Trump was president. It made the situation even worse. So uh, right now, companies can deduct half of their overseas income from their tax bill, in effect, which means 
the profits right now the the tax rate in this company for corporate profits is like twenty one percent, and that, it was it used to be in the thirties. It used to be in the ninety percent, going back to the fifties and sixties. But right. now that twenty that twenty one percent can be cut in half to ten and a half percent. So, is this going to be on the agenda here to try to to push this through? I, I know it's a politically charged year, but. With the with the unions like the CWA, what's the story here, Frank? It absolutely is. We're, um, you know, we're, we're it's been there's a there's a bill in the Senate right now, Senate Bill three fifty seven, and in the House uh, House HR House Resolution eight eight four, and they are exactly that that um, that essentially it's the, the if if people would please call their their state senators and their their representatives and just say, hey, please support the no tax breaks for outsourcing bills or bill. Um, you know our tax code, and basically this is the the the, the line. Our tax code should not incentivize um, moving jobs overseas, and you you should not be rewarded for that. Um, you know it's it's. Uh, it also addresses some of the tax havens uh, from, you know, these CEOs and these corporations from making that move and creating tax havens and, and shifting funds is just a, quite honestly, a, 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 a loophole tax dodge kind of thing. And if this bill was passed conservatively, it would save the American taxpayer $77 billion annually. That's a lot of money. Those are that's a lot of schools. That's a lot of roads. That's a lot of you know uh, infrastructure there, and, and that's a lot of money back in here kept in America for the citizens that are that are actually in this country. So uh, we know that um, you know here in our district, uh, you know Sherrod Brown, Senator Baldwin, Tammy Baldwin, Dick Durbin, and uh, Tammy Duckworth over in Illinois are are big proponents of this bill. So we're just so appreciative of it to them. And yes, it is, it is setting there and we are hoping to, to get it addressed and get some hearings. And, you know, the, in a perfect world, not that with the house, you know, the way the house is now, um, although we may not get it passed out of the house, uh, what, getting this bill to the floor and forcing a vote on bills like this, they really do is they make politicians take a stand. No politician, regardless, you know, wants to say they voted against the American people and voted against keeping jobs in America. So many on the GOP side would just as soon not have this bill hit the floor or have to, you know, make a vote on it. Although let's just say it would still fail in the House. Let's force some politicians to take a position one way or the other and, and show their colors, especially in an election year, which many politicians fear. You know, they, they, they want to be able to say, I never voted against that. Well, the reason you didn't vote against it is because it didn't make it to the floor. So right. um, let's, uh, let, let's, let's keep the word outsourcing and offshoring on people's minds because you know, as I said, that's a lot of money and it's a lot of tax revenue and it's a lot of loss. And when, you know, we've got schools out here scraping to build new schools and, and infrastructure and roads and services, $77 billion is a huge amount of money 
and that's just what one bill could do, you know. So it's, uh, we, need to, we need to keep that on people's minds and, you know, just ask folks to get a hold of their, their state, their U.S. Senate member or, or U.S. House member and just say, hey, hey, won't you uh, support that no tax breaks for offshoring bill that's out there? It's bad enough that we lost jobs overseas, but to encourage that? No, no, no. We, we got to draw the line there. We got to draw the line there. All right, there's a, one more issue here. You wanted to talk about the manufacturing camps, and this is something that uh, Senator Sherrod Brown started some years back. Uh, the CWA is a partner in this, I understand, I understand, Frank. Oh, absolutely. It's like, you know, Sherrod does so, so, so much great. He does all these great things. Well, many years ago, um, you know, uh, Sherrod came up with these uh, manufacturing camps, and they're incredible. I mean, people need to be aware of what some of the things Senator Brown is doing like this. And basically, us, CWA, and our manufacturing division, IUE CWA, we partnered long ago with Senator Brown on this, and there's there's many groups partnering. Um, the Ohio Manufacturing Association Manufacturing Association is 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 a big part of this, and Senator Brown and and they have these camps all over Ohio, and many for underprivileged kids, inner city kids. Uh, they have them in Southern Ohio for for rural kids, and basically. Not to go too much into detail, but, you know, there's liable to be 20 of these camps next next year, this year, all over Ohio in their week-long camps. And it's it's like one of them last year was, for example, was, was over at uh, the Air Force Base in, in, in Dayton and, and surrounded aeronautics and uh, that kind of thing for kids. A lot of them partner with a corporate or a, a manufacturing plant in their area, and so the kids go Monday through Friday. They're provided lunch, they're provided transportation, they're provided. They get there, they tour these plants, they come back and learn more about manufacturing, and it to me it really really teaches kids that. Um, there is nothing wrong, and to have a vision of actually out there when they go into the workforce of being part of a company or doing something where you make things. You make mm-hmm. things with your hands, you, you, and it, it, it's incredible. And, and we, CWA and IUE CWA, as soon as we, we got involved, we, we're in it for the long haul on this because these camps are incredible. So I encourage folks to reach out to uh, one of Senator Brown's offices in your area to get a schedule of these summer camps this year. And if you have some some uh, middle school to uh, high school kids that want to get involved and spend the week at one of these camps, you, you won't regret it. Regret it. Yeah. In- yeah. Well, he's a true friend of workers. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. In fact, we're going to hear from him uh, later in the week here on America's Workforce. All right, Frank, we're going to leave it on that note. Frank Matthews, on behalf of the Communication Workers of America, again, do check out check out that Wells Fargo story. There's a lot of information on that one, what they did organizing in Albuquerque, New Mexico, cwa-union.org. Frank, you take care. We'll talk to you next month. Okay, brother? Take care, my brother.
All right, we're going to take a quick break. Tim Driscoll is the general president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers, and he is coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to our live line right now. Welcome back to the show. It's been a long time, April of last year. Last time we talked to Timothy Driscoll. Tim is president of the bricklayers and allied craft workers, and he's got a long history. He's a second-generation bricklayer, joined Local 3 in Massachusetts in 1985. He served as president for, uh, let's see now, three years, going on four years. Tim Driscoll, welcome back to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, brother? Happy New Year, Flash. I'm, I'm doing well. And yourself? Good, 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 good. We had a banner year for the show last year. We had a 25 percent increase in downloads over 2022 and we uh, reached a milestone we're in the top one percent of all podcasts so obviously the union message is getting out there we're very very proud of that and uh, we're very proud to have the bricklayers on board to get that message out Let, let's talk about well let's talk about last year there was a lot of good things a lot of people got double digit contracts how did the bricklayers do and how do we look uh, with 2024 tim yeah, 2023 was definitely a banner year for, for labor. Work opportunities abundant uh, across the country. And for us, it's not just the U.S., but also Canada. And the opportunities for 2024 are looking uh, even better. So what are we doing? Where, where's our membership right now? Where do you see that going with all the organizing activity going on? Yeah, you know, so BAC's focus for the new year is going to be on expanding work opportunities for our members but 
you know, when we talk about that, it's it's really about allowing them to, to realize their best lives, not, not just in the workplace, but in the local communities. Because at the end of the day, right, that's what we are. The union isn't a building. The union isn't an individual. It's it's our contributions to it's our participation in those local communities. Um, and for us to realize that and provide the benefits that our members expect and deserve means we need to expand the union banner. And everyone who's carrying a trowel, employing them in any of our trades, needs to be working under uh, a union collective bargaining agreement. So that's going to remain our focus for 24. Good, good, good. Well, we, we all know we have a friend in the White House, and uh, in December there was an executive order that took effect that was issued by President Biden requiring the use of project labor agreements on federal construction projects. And we're talking uh, this, this, the value of this alone is like uh, $35 million. I'm hearing that this could probably mean like 200,000 plus workers being protected. I'd like to get your perspective on this, Tim. Yeah, we're, we're very excited about this. You know, President Biden had started to work on his executive order for project labor agreements, PLAs, and more common parlance, for any federally funded project over $35 million. Um, and as you indicated, that rule was finalized here in just last month in, in December of 2023. And the amount of work that that's going to cover is going to be phenomenal. We think it's going to provide protections for well over 200,000 workers. And there's several hundred million dollars, excuse me, several hundred billion dollars of work that's going to be eligible to be covered by this PLA. And really, at the end of the day, the PLA is going to ensure that those workers enjoy the benefits of that kind of investment in our future. I know it wasn't easy when he uh, he issued that back in 2022, and it it just you know went into effect here. So I mean, it, every time you get in unions involved, there's always some pushback, and you know there's a lot of union haters out there. But it's good that it finally moved forward. The other issue is uh, is Davis Bacon protections. Uh, how are we faring on that when it comes to the bricklayers, Tim? Yeah. So. so- just to back up a little and get perspective, you know, Davis-Bacon, what, what it represents, it's, it's a wage for a prevailing wage for federally funded construction projects. So what it does is it prevents, you know, those unscrupulous contractors, the low roaders, from securing construction contracts by slashing the wages of workers below the prevailing wage. So the Biden administration, and that was one of their early commitments, was to strengthen that process because really over the last 40 years, what we saw was an attempt to really drive down the process for prevailing wages. And as you said, it's really the anti-worker forces out there who were somehow claiming that this was going to deliver savings. Well, the only savings that ever came from watering down Davis-Bacon was putting money in the pockets of unscrupulous contractors instead of the workers who build our country. We're speaking with Tim Driscoll. Tim is president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. I forgot to mention the website at the top of the interview. It's bacweb.org, bacweb.org. I want to talk about the uh, National Labor Relations Board, especially uh, the uh, the Semex decision, and maybe you could uh, – explain what that's all about because this this is monumental monumental because we're seeing a lot of workers wanting 
to go union. I mean, it's happening at all walk to life right now. Starbucks, retail, uh, obviously in uh, in various healthcare. I mean, I could go on and on and on here. And you got employers that are saying, "Well, you know what? We're not we're not going to we're not going to listen to you. We're not going to recognize you." Semex changed all that. Can you explain what's at play here, Tim? Absolutely, Flash. Look, this is an exciting time for labor, and as you indicated. We have a National Labor Relations Board at the direction of President Biden making sure that workers' voices is heard. So look, NLRB elections, which is the process where workers determine whether they want a union and if they want a union, how that union should be formed and eventually formally recognized. You know, the, the biggest hurdle, the NLRB election process has been around, obviously, as long as the National Labor Relations Act itself. But the biggest hurdle to reaching you know, a fair and equitable contract, and that's what workers are looking for when they get a union, right, is the blatant mm-hmm. refusal by employers to bargain in good faith. Even when those employees have gone through an election process and chosen their union representative. Now, now these employers that do that, they're not stupid. They realize that this illegal behavior was being rewarded because they never faced any meaningful consequences for that kind of actions. Well, now the NLRB is prepared to put teeth back into the law that guarantees workers the right to have a say in the workplace. So that policy has been articulated, as you said, by the board in the recent Semex decision. You know, it's grounded in the law of the land, the National Labor Relations Act. And that act's pretty clear. It says that the public policy of the United States is to encourage collective bargaining and to promote the freedom of association for workers to form unions. So when employers deny workers this lawful right to union representation and the honest and meaningful bargaining that it actually requires, well, the NLRB has put the teeth back in, and these employers will face meaningful consequences up to and including imposed financial settlements. So now the lawful right of workers to form a union and have that union represent them may be an inconvenient truth for those that want to hold workers back, but those bad actors aren't going to find any cover at the labor board that President Biden administration's put forward. So, Tim, we, we know there's going to be pushback here, and, and you mentioned, like, financial consequences if they, if they don't follow suit. Uh, do we have any any um, amount on that? Do we have any details? Because we got to make sure if they're going to violate a uh, um, uh, a ruling here. I mean, they, <laughs> we got to have some teeth in that. What do we know about that right now, Tim? Yeah. And, and this is literally, you know, hot off the press. So this is evolving. It's all going to be very fact specific, depending on the size of the employer, their actions. The real hope is, is here is right. Is that employers are going to do the right thing. Um, and right. is it going to require some of these bad actors to get stung? Absolutely. Cause nothing travels faster than the word of <laughs> meaningful consequences being out there for those folks that, that want to flaunt the law. Um, so we, we don't have that level of detail yet, but in the coming year with the activity that's going to go on, I think we're going to see a lot more of that and we'll, we'll have a better answer to that question flash. And speaking of fines, we definitely need uh, more fines and higher fines when it comes to uh, OSHA violations. And I know, you know, bricklayers, I mean, that's you, you got you got concerns of safety there in this in this. And I know you do a lot, especially when it comes to training and the apprenticeship programs. 
Uh, by the way, how are the apprenticeship programs going across uh, across the country right now, Tim? They doing pretty well. They they are. You know, it, our our schools are full, but we're always looking for more folks. And and you know, the pathways into our apprenticeship they come from all walks. And while we work with high schools and folks just entering, we also find a lot of folks who've spun their wheels for a while, whether it's been working in warehousing, restaurants, and some others, and are ready to try for some new careers and to some sustaining, you know, middle-class jobs. And, and so we've got people entering as young as 18, and we've got folks who've decided after seven or eight years trying their hand at other things that, hey, the trades and the skilled travel trades isn't a bad place to, to make that start of a middle-class life. Well, when it comes to safety, obviously unions have the edge on that. Um, and when you look at the non-union sites, we've got some problems here. And I know OSHA is is doing its best here. And you're in the middle of things. Your your office is in Washington. You're hearing a lot, and a lot of people are speaking out on this issue. And again, it, we got to have teeth in these laws. What 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 do you see with with OSHA going forward, Tim? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, look safety is a central message that is coming out loud and clear from the workers that we engage every day. You know, our contact with the non-union world often revolves around that issue of safety and their concerns for going home every day from from work. You know, there's been market improvements over time. I, I wouldn't say anything differently in our industry. Um, but unfortunately, construction still remains one of the most hazardous workplaces in the country. You know, in, in just the past year here in 2022, which is the last year with complete data, you know, the there were over 5,400 workers killed on the job. That's that's across all industries, and, and that's absolutely tragic. Construction, unfortunately, accounted for 1,000 of those. And, and to put that in perspective, construction workers represent just about 5% of the workforce, but that means with that number that we represented nearly 20% of deaths on the job, and, and that's that's just unacceptable. And, you know, fatalities is, is obviously just one measure of, of how we account for, for safety. You know, um, we need more and better data. So one of the things that OSHA created last year in one of their new rules is, is better and more significant importing of all incidents, right? Not, not just fatalities. Mm-hmm. Fatalities are, again, the absolute most tragic point. But there's construction incidents that need to be recorded in a way that's going to allow us to improve our, our practices to, to suss out where we can be better prepared to make sure every worker leaves the job the same way he came in, you know, that day. So we're encouraged that that reporting rule is going to allow us both to enhance our training, but also we're needed to focus on those bad actors out there and improve their practices and employees who have to go to, to work for them. The, the other part is ocean inspections, as, as you indicated. You know, when President Biden came into office, he inherited uh, an OSHA workforce of less than 750 full-time inspectors. He's increased that by 17%. There's about 900. But that number needs to increase. It needs to get better, right? I mean, OSHA conducted somewhere around 32,000 inspections last year. And of those, about 18,000 were unscheduled or unprogrammed inspections, right, where inspectors come because of employee complaints, injuries, outside referrals. But when you think about the task before them, 
OSHA is a relatively small agency, so even with their state partners, there's about 1,900 folks responsible for health and safety of over 130 million workers. That's just not enough. When you think about it, it translates to about one compliance officer for every 70,000 workers. So one of the things the Biden administration has put forward is to say, hey, let's, let's develop some public-private partnerships that are going to allow us to expand that. And that's one of the places where they've partnered and they've said, we can improve the system. Let's leverage the resources of unions, safety councils, translators, worker advocacy groups to serve as worker representatives in safety inspections on non-union work sites when they're requested by those unrepresented workers. So this partnership of private public resources that, that OSHA has proposed can provide safer workplaces. And it's a clear indication that the Biden administration understands how important safety is to working Americans. To your point, Tim, safety is paramount. you got to be safe on the job. And I'll tell you, I'm still taken back on that statistic that you laid out here. Well, a number of them. Only one inspector for 70,000 workers. That's, that's crazy. But when you think of construction, construction is only 5%. That's the, as far as their percentage of the total workforce, but they account for right. over 20% of the job fatalities. We got to do better on that. We definitely got to do better on that. Tim Driscoll joining us as a president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. Tim, let's stay on this issue uh, for the bricklayer, for all the trades. It's so important that we have a safe workplace. So let's concentrate on this in the new year. Can we do that in the months ahead, brother? Absolutely. You know, this is going to be a central focus for us, both with our own members. And, and as you had said earlier, Flash, safety is a core component of our training, not just with our apprentices, but with our journeymen on an ongoing basis. But it's also going to be a core focus of how we reach out to the non-union workers out there who want a better work site, who want better conditions. That's our charge as an organization. We're all in. Timothy Driscoll, president of the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. Do check them out online. Website, real simple, bacweb.org, bacweb.org. You take care, my brother, and we'll talk down the road, okay? All right, Flash. Thanks. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the American Federation of Government Employees on organizing and the latest from the insulators in central Ohio. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.